When I began this sermon series, Now More Than Ever, I was thinking about how you and I seem to need the church now more than ever. Now, in these days of social isolation, we need community. Now, in these days of uncertainty, we need the certain foundation of our centuries-old faith. We need a place to gather, to celebrate, and clarify what matters most. We need a way to reach out to people with compassion. We need youth mentors and Sunday school teachers for toddlers and folks who bring communion to the nursing homes. We need the spirit to sustain us through job loss and fear of disease. We need a group of folks who will pray for us when we are sick in the hospital and celebrate with us when we cradle a newborn. We need to remember that no matter what, God will carry us through, embracing us with a love that never lets us go. We need to sing our deep joy and gratitude in life's goodness, and we need someone to sing for us when we are too brokenhearted to sing ourselves. I thought that ending this sermon series now more than ever with the story of Pentecost, which recalls the birth of the church, it would be just perfect. Now more than ever, we thank God for the gift of the church. But then I went and really read the story of Pentecost, and I was startled and surprised. Sometimes the Bible will do that to you, wake you up, and cause you to see something new. This morning, we heard as our children and youth readers shared the two scenes from the birth of the church found in the book of Acts. In both scenes, we are told what happened when they were gathered together. In scene one, the disciples have just finished a business meeting where they elected a new disciple to take the place of Judas. Now they are 12 again, and it is time for a religious festival, the Feast of Pentecost, where they recall the giving of the Ten Commandments. But what happens now is they get a new gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, in a fantastical scene that you would need filmmaker George Lucas to design, the Holy Spirit swoops in like a violent wind, and they all begin speaking with tongues of fire. And by some miracle that none of them can quite get, people from all different nations and languages are able to understand one another. The crowd that gathers... Well, those folks are as diverse as it gets. Arabs and Asians, the sophisticated Greeks and the backwater Galileans. In an astounding moment, they understand each other. They are unified. And for a moment, they are bound together with joy and harmony and hope. The second scene comes a couple of chapters later. It's more practical and down to earth. Again, they are together. And they are bringing together their possessions and sharing them with each other. Someone has just sold a condo on the lake and has brought some of the proceeds. Another has just rented out his pasture and has brought the cash rent. And together, they present their offerings at the feet of the apostles. And no one among them had any need. It wasn't about, this is mine, and that is yours. No, it was more like they were of one heart and soul. Whoever had need was taken care of by the group. 
The story never quite uses the word generosity, but that's what we see, that they belong to each other. And so they wanted to share what each had with the whole generosity. It just seemed natural. And so it would be easy here for me to say that the early church was a place of unity and a place of generosity, and that that's what we as the modern church are called to do. But I think that misses the larger point. After all, you don't have to be Christian to be generous. And you don't have to be religious to long for more unity among people. Professor David Bartlett helped me to see the story about the early church in a different light. Professor Bartlett says that the church is not the end of the story. You can celebrate the birthday of the church if you want, but that really is not the point. Professor Bartlett reminds us that Luke wrote two books of the Bible, Luke and Acts. The book of Luke is about Jesus, and the book of Acts is about the church. But really, both books have the same subject. Both of them are the story of God's spirit. Listen to how the story of Jesus begins in Luke. Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he says, The spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor. Jesus begins with the spirit. Jesus came to reveal God's spirit. Jesus came that the world and all the people of the world, the rich and the poor and everyone in between, might be swept up with the good and joyful news of God's spirit alive among us. And the church began the same way. The church began with the gift of the spirit, not for the sake of the church, but for the sake of the world. One Spirit of God using two instruments, Jesus and the church. In what ways might the world need the Spirit of God today? Could the world use a bit of that unity and generosity? Look around. You see the divisiveness in families and in communities. My sister-in-law told me that a member of her church called the pastor recently and said, if you make me wear a mask to church, I'm resigning as a member. Meanwhile, others insist that masks are the way we protect and love each other. Read the news. Racial discrimination continues in cities throughout our country. Many struggle to access health care. Some congregate in crowded swimming pools and others criticize them for gathering. Some of us have the luxury of working from home and others must risk exposure in order to simply put food on the family table. Some children can do schoolwork online and some don't own a home computer. This past week, Dr. Anthony Fauci was interviewed about the death of Larry Kramer. Kramer had been the country's best-known outspoken AIDS activist, and Pat Fauci had been the country's best-known AIDS doctor. When asked about how the two men met, Fauci answered, 
He called me a murderer and an incompetent idiot on the front page of the San Francisco Examiner. After that, Fauci called Kramer up so that the two men could talk. The two men, they became friends, appearing on many talk shows together. To the end, Larry was always challenging Fauci to take a more aggressively outspoken approach to public health. Fauci persevered in his own manner. Fauci said it was an extraordinary 33-year relationship. We loved each other. We would have dinner. I would go to see him in the West Village, and he would come down to Washington to see us. When I read that line, we loved each other, I thought about what Professor David Bartlett said about the church. He said, the church is the vanguard of the realm of God. What is a vanguard? I know that vanguard is a financial company. I looked it up in the dictionary. A vanguard is a group of people leading the way. Could it be that now is the time for the church to be that group of people leading the way? Of course, we all love our church. And now more than ever, we are aware that it nourishes our souls and that it brings us together to share our hearts. But I think when the scripture says that the whole group was of one heart and soul, that it was not talking about us coming together, but about all of us belonging to the one heart and soul of God. We want our church for us, but the gospel message is that God wants us to breathe the spirit of God into the whole world. We've got a job to do. Who will lead the way if not us? Let me tell you a story. I heard this at a conference a little over a year ago. The members of a very progressive and open-minded church in Scottsdale, Arizona, decided to do something called a crosswalk. They would walk from their church in Scottsdale all the way to Washington, D.C. as a way of bringing more visibility to progressive Christianity. As they walked, they would stop and visit other progressive churches across the nation. But in one community, they couldn't really locate one. And so they called up a church called Jesus First. And they asked if they could attend worship there on a Sunday. And the pastor said, sure, come on. Some of the members of the walk were afraid, so they didn't go. Upon arrival, those walkers were warmly greeted by the pastor at Jesus First. They gave the pastor a brochure outlining their very progressive message, and he sent them off to a Sunday school class on the second coming of Jesus. Then, at the worship service, the pastor introduced this crosswalk group, and he called on the leader to speak. And the leader said, well, thank you for having us. We are walking because we want the country to know about progressive Christianity. We believe that Jesus is the way, but we acknowledge that there are other ways too. We celebrate the love between two people, regardless of gender, 
and he went on to outline their progressive stances on many current issues, and then he stopped, fearing that they might throw tomatoes at him, but they didn't. Instead, they formed a circle around the team of crosswalkers, joining hands and swaying as they sang their praise songs, and they sang, Shine, Jesus, Shine. And then during the sermon, the preacher mentioned this group quite favorably several times. And then at the end of the worship service, the church collected an offering. And the pastor asked the congregation for its blessing to give the entire offering that day to this group who was walking for Jesus. And after the service, the fundamentalists and the progressives shared a potluck on the church lawn. They were the vanguard. They were a group of people leading the way. Now, more than ever, the world needs that church.